everyone, and welcome to episode 280 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Zephrod Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's up today, Richard? Hey, Seth. Just uh, catching up on a lot, a lot of core 2021 previews. Yeah, we are smack dab in the middle of course at 2021 preview. So that's uh, the main topic for our cast for today. But before we get into that, we have another co-host in Krim. How's it going this morning, Krim? Wonderful. This is Core 2021. This is the set I've been waiting for. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty hyped on this set. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I am pretty hyped for this set too. And, uh, this set being M21 is going to be the main topic of our podcast today. We're going to talk new spoiler cards and about the set in general. If we have time, we'll sneak in a couple of fish mail at the end, but really going to be a core set 2021 style cast. So before we jump into all these sweet new cards, a reminder that our show today is once again brought to you by Spikes Academy, the world's first MTG online academy, and their courses are created by the best players in the world, and they're designed for you to improve your game. So whether you're trying to reach Mythic each season on Arena, or you just want to beat your friends in every draft, their courses will help you improve your game. So join today over at SpikesAcademy.com. So big thanks to Spikes Academy for uh, supporting the podcast today, and let's talk some new magic cards. Richard, uh, why don't you guide us through our huge list of M21 spoilers? All right, we're just going to jump straight into it. Uh, we'll talk about new mechanics and new things as they come up. Uh, but Core 2021 is a reprint set, remember? Uh, so we're going to go over some of the new cards. Uh, and we're going to go over some of the key reprints that are making their way into Standard and then subsequently Historic, Pioneer, Modern, etc. So we'll start off with Basri Ket, a new White Planeswalker. Gideon is dead. Someone needed to uh, bring balance to uh, the, the color wheel for Planeswalkers. So we have Basri Ket, one white, white, three starting loyalty, plus one, put a plus one, plus one counter on one target creature. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Minus two. Whenever one or more non-token creatures uh, attack this turn, create that many 1-1 white soldier creature tokens that are tapped and attacking. Minus six. You get an emblem with, at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token, and then put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. This this card is very much so, like, it, it, it feels sort of like a Gideon, right? And yeah, as you had mentioned, with no Gideon here, like, somebody's got to do the, the Gideon work. So, someone's got to do the white weenie work, okay? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, but at the same time, I love the artwork on this card. I think, like, his, like, his, how he's, like, I don't know, got this, like, sand spiral, like, sand ball thing that he's about to shoot at somebody, I think is pretty cool. Uh, but, like, on top of that, I, it's not flashy, but I think the card's pretty good. It's not, it doesn't do anything crazy. That minus two, I think seems pretty sweet. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a fan. A lot of, a lot of white weenie style cards getting reprinted or, uh, getting added, uh, into the, the pool with core 21. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Bass Recat's pretty sweet. It reminds me the most of a Johnny Caller of the Pride, actually. It has, like, almost exactly the same plus one, but upgraded, where you put a counter on things, and that has a negative ability that, uh, a Johnny's more about going tall on one big creature, but, uh, Bass negative two can be really good at going wide. Like, you can potentially, it has kind of the Winota style trigger, so you're getting a token for each non-token that's attacking, so it can potentially be a lot of creatures for free. And then the ultimate doesn't win quickly, but it will eventually win you the game so it seems like uh, a good option for white weenie or maybe token style decks a little awkward in tokens just because it wants you to have non-tokens in your deck so it, it needs like hero of precinct one style cards like non-token creatures that create token creatures is probably the easiest way to go rather than just like raise the alarm style effects but i don't know i think it'll see play i think it'll definitely see play for sure once gideon rotates i think it's maybe like competing for a similar slot right now and I honestly don't know which one's better, but it definitely seems of a power level where it can see some standard play. We're talking about three mana Gideon, right? From War of the Spark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I think this just immediately takes over. It, whatever deck that was playing Gideon, uh, in standard at least, is, is, I mean, I, 
I don't know. Like, I do you think they kind of like really compete for the same spot? I don't really. I, I think ba- Basri will go into just if if Basri goes in a different deck, it, it could also just like also just replace Gideon entirely. I think because this just seems better. Do you think so? Well, Gideon yeah. though, you get the four four like attacker for three. When Basri, the problem with Basri. So I, okay, here's the difference I see. Gideon is actually one of your best cards on an empty board. Like you can have an empty board and play uh, Gideon, and it's pretty solid. Basri on an empty board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not as exciting. You need to have some creatures going on for Basri to really do anything. So maybe they do go in uh, in different style of decks to some uh, to some extent. That's my only concern with Basri is you know, like your opponent rests your board or something, and you want to follow up with a planeswalker. Basri's not the most exciting follow up to that scenario. True. True. But ba- ba- Basri's not great there. But like on let's say like on the play or something like that. You know, like this this is. A- you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like you get to swing, put, like, you know, like, let's say you have, like, a creature or two on the board, and then you drop Basri, and then you just minus two, get a few more creatures out of it. Then you're, then you don't have to really deploy any more threats. So then you just kind of sit back and hold, uh, and then just wait until they do eventually sweep. And then, then you just deploy your threats again, right? And then you have nothing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think for that reason, Basri is actually really bad. I'm not even going to give them the playable pass, because... Like on a curve out, you go turn one, one drop, turn two, a two drop, or uh, you you do like a token generator, which doesn't help with Basri, right? Basri turn three, that's a three mana sorcery speed, raise the alarm, that's attacking, right? Like that's not very exciting on an empty board, does literally nothing. So I don't, I don't know, this is not aggressive enough for me in standard. Like you can't win the game or snowball off of a Basri unless you want to like, super commit right like if you put four or five one drops on the battlefield and attack in basri fine but one wrath and you're done and the fact that basri doesn't recover by uh himself off a wrath makes it even worse so i don't know and then that ultimate is pretty slow you need to get up to six and then you don't really die immediately you only die if there's a board right it's like a cathars crusade but if it's an empty board it takes a while to kill someone and, you know, that gives them ample opportunity to, uh, you know, expansion explosion your face or whatever crazy power creep cards we're going to see. So I actually don't really like this as a white weenie card. Maybe more of a combo piece or something like Winoda triggers off those tokens. They're not human tokens. They're just soldier tokens. So maybe you can somehow leverage these abilities into a combo. But as white weenie player, like, I don't want this. This doesn't, this doesn't get my opponent dead. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I'm in the middle of you two. It sounds like Krim really likes it. You don't like it. I think it'll be okay, but I, I I'm not expecting it to be like an Oko or a staple planeswalker of standard. More like uh, maybe some archetypes will want a couple copies. You, you got to play yeah. like four fairy miscreants or something and then go into Bossy. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe Azorius Flyers can can use this yeah. <laughs> you never because remember that flash that is pretty nice in, in that deck but so far i i'm not like this this card is gonna like completely change the meta either but i do think that it's definitely a it could be a one like two of in the deck all right next up how about a card we know crim is excited about we have uh teferi master oh this card sucks of time. <laughs> so the focus of core 2021 is teferi and we have teferi and we have nine versions of the same card there's like four we have four arts and then there's like the the borderless version of them and they all kind of look the same well some of like Four of them look the same with like the, I don't know what's going on. It's like the Doctor Strange symbol things going on in front of them, like are different. Yeah. You're going to have to take a look at it. Uh, But Teferi, Master of Time, two blue, blue. So four CMC. Get ready with the Jace the Mind Sculptor uh, (laughs) comparisons. (laughs) Three starting loyalty. This is not Static ability. You may activate loyalty abilities of Teferi on any player's turn anytime you can cast an instant. Plus one, draw a card, then discard a card. Minus three, target creature you don't control phases out. Minus ten, take two extra turns after this one. So, uh, oh yeah, on the on the the static ability, it's activate the loyalty abilities of Teferi Master of Time. 
Not oh, yes, all yes, to yes. fairies. Not, not all to fairies. As much as I wish that were a thing. Like, <laughs> oh, goodness. How cool oh, would that have been, right? Yeah, no, 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 that would not be cool, Grim. Uh, okay, sorry, my bad. I guess I guess I have a different idea. Does cool. doesn't like playing with the rules of magic. He's like, forget it, guys. I'm casting instant speed planeswalker abilities. You're, you're the master of time. You do what you want. <laughs> No, like, I, I think this is really sweet because first off, we I mean, we can activate once on our turn, pass, you know, and obviously if we go into, like, commander, then that means you get an activation every turn. But, like, I, I think that's really cool. Being able, like, this is something I've always wanted, like, six mana Teferi, right? Temporal Archmage. You had an ultimate emblem to get the ability to activate uh the Planeswalker abilities at any point, right? But... I always wanted a Teferi that could do that on its own and maybe just on its own or, or, or all Teferis along with it. I mean, <clears throat> uh, but uh, so this I think is sweet. Getting to loot on my turn and then I'm doing it on my opponent's turn and or loot on my turn and then phase something out. I mean, I, I am curious to see how people handle phasing because I have not played, I don't think, in a standard format where I got to actually play with phasing. I think what was that? What, what's the format with the sh- or the set with the shovel? <laughs> like, or it looks like a shovel. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. But and, like, like I wasn't playing standard then, so it'll be cool to see some amount of phasing now. We joked about it. We joked about it. Like, you know, how many times have we all said, "Oh, how funny would it be if there was a return to phasing because Teferi, right in Core Twenty One." Now we'll see. Maybe Teferi's Isle gets reprinted. Um, and, and the, the take two extra turns after this one. Sure. Why not? For me, mostly, I just like the plus one and the minus three. The, the alt, it, the ultimate is just like, all right, sure. Maybe if we get there, then I guess I really win the game. <laughs> I, I think the phasing is a little different than phase out. I'm, I'm kind of actually glad they did it this way. I don't think we're going to see like phasing phasing, which is just like really complicated and weird. Phase out though <laughs> seems pretty intuitive to me. Like the creature just doesn't go away. And I know Mark Rosewater said that part of the reason they brought back phasing or phase out rather is to power down enter the battlefield effects essentially like so uh, you're not getting the enter the battlefield trigger so maybe we'll see more experiments with uh like phasing out creatures rather than blinking creatures as we move forward (laughs) as far as teferi itself i actually breathed the sigh of relief when i saw this i was worried that wizards was going to print another like we're coming off teferi hero of dominaria and then teferi time raveler which have not only been really good in standard but pretty widely disliked as far as being in standard Wait, i was what? afraid we were going to have well except you don't count grim except for yeah. you i know you love teferi <laughs> but in general in general but I was afraid oh. we we're going to get another, like, obviously miserable Teferi. This card doesn't feel obviously miserable to me. This feels like a a solid blue planeswalker with a cool twist that you can activate its ability at instant speed. But I don't have any fear that this is going to, like, break standard. I think it'll definitely see play. And it's cool that it gets even better in Commander when you have uh, three opponents and can activate it four times each turn cycle, which is super sweet. But I, I'm actually not worried about this. I This doesn't feel like a card to me that is going to be banned or even really feel that oppressive i don't know when teferi like hero of dominaria hit the battlefield i just died a little bit inside every time like oh no <laughs> but i don't think i'm gonna have that reaction with teferi time master like it, or master of time it feels like a, a reasonably good card but not a broken or oppressive card to me yeah i don't think this is broken at all uh like i, I think this is just as you had mentioned just a solid blue planeswalker um, but, and, and I'm excited because now Grixis can have a Teferi in the deck. Um, so <laughs> like, yeah, like obviously like the minus three, because it only phases out or yeah, phases out a creature. It's not the same as being able to bounce an enchantment artifact and it's not a, and or creature. And then of course, Hero of Dominaria being able to tuck anything pretty solid. Yeah. So about phasing, it's intuitive to Seth because you've played magic for like a million years, but when something phases in, wouldn't you think the ETB triggers, like, as a new player? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes, like, like how does this make anything clear, right? Like, it, it doesn't say on the reminder text, so I feel that's going to cause 
so much confusion as people phase things in and for their entire lives when something enters the battlefield like literally enters the battlefield triggers so i think that's confusing it's, and then we joked about this before wait till you phase out a token with like a <laughs> with an artifact attached to it, right? So there are a lot of complications with this. Uh, it's kind of like mutate, like the most basic ability kind of makes sense. But as you start getting to edge cases, uh, things get a little wonky. So I'm surprised about phasing back. It's, it's like too much power creep on ETB triggers. So like they're like, oh, we'll bring phasing back. Kind of like there's so much power creep in the graveyard. They try to move everything to exile. And then they're like, wait, we can bring back things from the exile now. So exile is a new graveyard. And you're like, what is the difference between these two zones now? I don't know. Uh, so weird, but I'll take it. But I think Teferi is actually sneakily powerful because this is the first time you can pl plop a planeswalker down and then change your murder to a doom blade or something like that. Right. Or not murder. What's what's a sorcery speed? Doomblade. Um, Dreadbore? I don't know. Dreadbore, <laughs> right? okay, yeah. <laughs> sure. So, so now, like, you can't, like, say, suit up an Embercleave or something, or you can't, like, haste in a creature. Like, you can you can use the phase-out at instant speed, and I think that secretly makes something very powerful, right? Like, take any instant... <laughs> Questing beast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Take any instant uh, in magic, right? And then convert it to a sorcery. It's terrible, right? Take any sorcery, convert it to an instant. You're like, oh, automatic upgrade. So the fact that his minus three is uh, an instant now, I think is pretty interesting. And then we'll, we'll see where it goes. But I think this starts at like solidly playable and can go into so annoying and broken to play against. Uh, it'll, I mean, it'll depend. It, it, all, it all like in defense or of uh, <laughs> that point... You know, Hero of Dominaria, when it was revealed, was just a, an average five mana planeswalker to most people. <laughs> <laughs> just, just remember that. Yeah. So, I, 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 I mean, yeah. I think it's worth saying though, it does have low loyalty. That is, that is kind of like part of the reason I'm not super scared. It only comes in at three. Yes, it technically kind of pluses two. If you, yeah. if you do it twice, but then it's just getting run over. Also important, it doesn't actually generate card advantage. And I think that's a, a pretty big difference. Like looting compared to actually drawing an extra card is a pretty big downgrade. So I don't know. I could be wrong. I've seen other people that are like, this card is going to get banned. How many formats will it get banned in? I don't see it, but I could definitely, I don't have the best track record when it comes to blue planeswalkers during spoiler season. So, uh, so I could definitely be the one that's wrong on it. I, I mean, I've fanboyed every Teferi and it's paid off for, for my end. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, why stop now? But this is also the same way I ended up at Jace, uh, living uh, guild pack. I was like, there hasn't been a bad Jace yet. So I'm going to like buy a ton of these chases. I was wrong. I was very wrong with that Jace, <laughs> but, but yeah, like I, I think looting is something that is very important in other formats, right? Like being able to discard, that's pretty good. Uh, so we'll see if more things benefit from you being able to throw away a card in your hand. You can now trigger miracles or something at instant speed. I, I, I don't know. I don't know about yeah. older formats. I think standard will be solid. I don't know yeah. about getting into yeah. modern or pioneer or legacy vintage, things like that. So may, maybe not as good as three fairy. But, I mean, Jace uh, the Mind Sculptor, wherever that, whatever format that is in, I don't think, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's going to take the place of this easily. <laughs> so. All right. Next up, we have Liliana, Waker of the Dead, four black, black, four starting loyalty, plus one. Each player discards a card. Each opponent who can't loses three life. Minus three. Target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is a number of cards in your graveyard. Minus seven. You get an emblem with at the beginning of combat on your turn. Put target creature from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It gains haste. Um, I'm kind of yeah, like this... meh on Liliana. Like, oh, they yeah. used all their power creep on Teferi. Yeah. <laughs> Liliana's got uh, yeah. nothing. <laughs> No I passive? Mean, it's yeah, not no. <laughs> a bad have we been, card. Have we been spoiled by Word of the Spark? <laughs> uh, it's not bad. I mean, it has a plus one that's like an upgrade on Liliana the Veil, and that's a powerful plus ability. You get removal to protect it. The ultimate is good. I don't know. It just it doesn't jump off the, the cardboard for me as being like super powerful, but I also think it's probably fine. Like, uh, that's, I, that I minus is not removal. Yeah, they like the they play a 
a love struck beast. You're like, oh, have I built five cards of my graveyard by uh, turn four? Nope. <laughs> Unless you have a way to loot. <clears throat> Blue black control. <laughs> Maybe. No, like I, I, I think this card is very, very medium. <laughs> like <laughs> that plus one. Like I'll play it because I mean I played on Grath, right? And like, <laughs> uh, but but that minus three is. De- I I don't know. The, the fact that it's four mana, that minus three isn't always removal. Then again, you know, like Liliana of the Veil's minus two isn't removal against Lovestruck Beast either if they have the token, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the point here was Liliana of the Veil sucked in standard. Right? That's like, true. We, we, we forget That's this true. point. Like, not good in standard. Not good yeah. when your opponent plays lots of creatures and is trying to attack Lingering you. souls laughed at you all the time. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, this one at least you can kind of target, so maybe... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll play my four mana planeswalker and remove your human token and hope you can't attack with love struck beast. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, you you could have discovered. I mean, the, uh, the dream here is you like Kroxa into Lily and you play some weird eight rack type deck with this, but I think that's like way too slow for standard. Like by turn four, like your opponent is like hell bent and like about to combo off and kill you. So I, I don't I don't know. Like just one card is not I, good. <laughs> I mean, we have like reasonably on curve ways to fill the great. Like Mire Triton, for example. That's the yeah. card that's pretty playable in its own right and just incidentally powers up Liliana. So I think maybe I don't I don't think you just play this in any deck, but I think you could build around it. We have a decent amount of fill the graveyard support. We still have uh, like Ravnica stuff around when we had like undergrowth is still a mechanic. So there is some payoffs for being a graveyard based deck. Is that deck going to be good? Probably not, but I think people will try it and it might be like a, you know, a, a tier three deck that you can play. Some sort of like Golgari graveyard deck with the Liana or something. I see this being a sideboard card. I, I think it could potentially get some play. I mean, like, think about how Davriel sees play. Yes, I see that there's that rack effect from Davriel, right? But, but that's like, this is like, and, and like this is just better, right? I mean, it is one mana more, but it doesn't run out of loyalty yeah. so quickly. Like being able to just sit there and play around a Davriel, like just by holding onto cards, uh, like that, because you know eventually they they can't downtick anymore. But like Lily keeps going up and is removal. But the three mana, four mana difference is a thing. All right. Next up, we have Chandra Heart of Fire, three red red, five starting loyalty. Plus one, discard your hand, then exile the top three cards of your library. Until end of turn, you may play cards exiled this way. Plus one, Chandra deals two damage to any target. Minus nine, search your graveyard and library for any number of red instant sorceries, instants or sorceries, exile them, then shuffle your library. You may cast them this turn, add six red. Chandra's insane. I think this might be one of my favorite, mostly, almost exclusively, because I think plus one draw three cards is really powerful. Like that, yes, you got to discard your hand, so you got to play it in like, I don't know, Gruul, Mono Red, some sort of aggro deck where you're going to have Chandra as the top end of your curve. You're not going to play it in a control deck where you want to hold counter spells, but plus one draw three cards, even with the restriction, you got to play them that turn. That is a really powerful plus one ability. Dredge got a new toy. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if Dredge wants to get to five mana. Oh no, no, you just have to say it. it's mandatory. Every, every new set, there's got to be a new Dredge card. Also, the, the other thing that's gonna go quite a long way for me is that that second ability is also a plus one. Yeah, uh, being shock. able to deal two to any target, I think that's really good. Uh, like, and let's not forget that we still have cards like Arclight Phoenix in the format, right? And I, I don't know. I mean, every new set, I do try to see if Arclight Phoenix is even better now. Uh, and maybe Arclight Phoenix is too fair, but I do think that, di- like, the discarding your hand may not, may, like, may not be as bad as it sounds after you, we use it a few times. Also, you can live the dream now in standard of curving out Chandra's from you can play Chandra's Regulator on turn two into three oh. mana Chandra, four mana Chandra, five mana Chandra, six mana Chandra, all the way up the the Chandra curve. So <laughs> big red, here we go. All right. Uh, next up, we have Teferi's Tutelage. Uh, this card has a mechanic on it we want to discuss. It's two in a blue, uncommon blue enchantment. When Teferi's Tutelage enters the battlefield, draw a card, then discard a card. 
Whenever you draw a card, target opponent mills two cards. Yes, the card actually says mills two cards on it. Mill is now a keyword in magic. That is probably my favorite thing about this card so far. And like, I mean, obviously, uh, I, I... I think that it's cool that they're acknowledging and changing that to mill. I don't know that that's always felt like a like we haven't seen any cards, especially in other card games either, that do the same thing that they actually acknowledge mill. Well, but everybody says mill. Yeah, they, they yeah. every other card game uses our word mill. Yeah, <laughs> and people are like, what? What does this even mean? Well, go yeah, back to like, this other card game that you're not playing, Magic the Gathering. <laughs> right, right, and like mill has gotten like to the point where it's yeah, like in all these other games where other people use it. I can't believe that it took this long, honestly. Like, it seems so obvious, like, such an obvious thing to keyword, uh, because that's literally what everyone calls I think even the newest of new players and casual players know the term mill and use the term mill because new players love mill for some reason. It's just, like, one of their favorite things to do. Uh, so it's actually, if anything, surprising to me that it took this long to actually have it keyworded, so I think it's a, a really good choice. I also kind of like the card. I played many Sphinx's tutelage decks back when uh, Sphinx's tutelage was its standard. Anything that just lets you win the game by drawing cards is uh, is my kind of card to build around, <laughs> and that is what Teferi's tutelage does. So I would not be surprised if we played some uh, Teferi's tutelage decks at some point. Uh, like I, I definitely think this could be a sideboard card for standard, uh, but for for right now, I don't think this is Sphinx's tutelage. Not having that activated ability kind of kind of like is a bummer because that was the huge draw for me. Like, late game, that activated ability means that I could draw more cards anyways, and yeah, it like, it fed itself, right? That is true. It is missing, I mean, that ability was really expensive. I think it was like six mana or something, but it is yeah. missing that late game value for sure. Although I do like that you get the, the loot up front with Teferi's Tutelage, which kinda is less of a downside. Like, if you have too many copies, you can potentially like loot one away or something. So that is an upside, I guess, that so you get the ETB loot. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have a green mythic. And it saddens me that I'm going to ask if this is playable or not. Elder Gargareth, <laughs> three green green, six six. So five mana, six six. Vigilance, reach, trample. When it attacks or blocks, choose one. Create a three three green beast creature token. You gain three life or draw a card. Nope. Is this standard <laughs> no, playable? Yeah. Nope. I don't, nope, I don't nope. think so. <laughs> uh, it, here we are. It even has reach, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is crazy if you read that card in the amount of text on it and the amount of things it can do. It's really crazy to think that it's not playable, but I just don't think it is. Like, especially in our current format where there's like Teferi's and there's Heartless X and there's Elspeth Conquers Death and there's Brazen Borrowers. Five mana things that need to stay on the battlefield to do anything important are just not playable. I actually, so when this card was spoiled, I looked at the 50 most played cards in standard. How many cards, uh, creatures, do you think, out of those 50, that cost more than four mana and don't do something immediately, actually see pain standard? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm going to play Cavalier in place of this. Right? Yeah. Like, like I mean, any love Cavalier. Struck beast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, because that was just like a three mana five five, right? If <laughs> like, this, if love, if this had haste, I would be all about it. I think that oh, is if this the ability haste. that it's missing. If it had haste, I would be all about this card being great. But without haste, I just, oh, I, I think you're just setting yourself up to be miserable. I know I will build a deck around this and I'll play it and my opponent will brazen borrow it and then the next <laughs> turn I'll play it and then they'll Teferi it and then finally the third turn they'll Elspeth conquers death it and then my head will explode on Arena because I conceded. <laughs> because you play the same Elder Gargoyle. <laughs> yes, I will spend three turns. Yes, just keep, gotta keep trying because if I ever attack, look out. <laughs> you know, when I saw the spoiled, I was surprised. I was, I assumed it had haste <laughs> because I was like well it's in green and with all things green it's probably also going to have protection from blue <laughs> and so and then when I realized it didn't have haste or protection from blue green and every other color <laughs> like in magic uh, I was like oh on, this is actually not that good <laughs> yeah it, it, it gets blocked by titans like can they not make it like an 8-8 or something like if you're gonna make this like green vanilla beater that dies to doomblade at least like give it some stats like beyond the six like five mana six six like do, do we have like a vanilla common that's like a five mana six six or something like i feel like these stats are actually under the curve for a green by a lot now uh, yeah and then these abilities like 
like vigilance who blocks right like reach <laughs> like who blocks right tramples okay but does it have death touch right like I, I don't know right like everything is bigger all the titans uh, yeah, so, this this should be an eight eight or like even at, with if since it doesn't have haste and protection from five hundred different things, it should just be like a nine nine, right? <laughs> at this point, it's it's I also like it could be anything and it would be played. What if, what if it was like a twelve twelve? Would you play it? <laughs> if it was a twenty twenty, people probably would. If it was one <laughs> one shot kill, I also think it's hilarious that. Uh, Uro basically does everything that this does when it enters the battle. Like, you get the, the life gain and the card both. draw, and you put a land into play when it comes into play. When this, you get to choose one, and you have to untap with it. Uh, poor Elder Gargareth. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have Lodomore Visionary. Two in a green, two, two. It's a common creature, elf druid. When Lodomore Visionary enters the battlefield, draw a card, tap, add a green mana. It's literally Llanowar Elves, stapled to Elvish Visionary. They, they mutated. <laughs> <laughs> they mutated Llanowar Elf and Elvish Visionary. And here we are. you can't curve. You can't curve like that. I mean, of course you go one drop, two drop, but like, is is this good? Mm, I, me? I'll I play in Yarok. <laughs> it's good in Yarok, I think. Um, okay, okay. But as far as like seeing competitive standard play, I doubt it. I... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, three mana draw card creatures don't see play, and three mana mana dorks don't see play. Does mashing them together give you a card that'll see play? You still sometimes see that 2 1 elemental wizard that ETBs and then draws a card, the blue one. It does fly. Okay, okay. Do you actually see, do people actually play that? Like Cloudfin's here or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Like, I, I've seen that. I mean, outside of, like, an elementals deck, pro- probably not, but, like, <laughs> okay. uh, but I have seen that card get played. And I guess uh, I've this, seen the Death Touch Mana Dork see play, like the Golgari three drop one that has Death Touch and yeah. Lifelink. That that's a three mana Mana Dork that sees play. Yeah, on fringe uh, in fringe decks, but still, on once in a while, you, right. you can ramp yourself into Yorion to pay three to put it in your hand <laughs> and then blink to draw a card. <laughs> this also this this is the perfect curve uh, after you play a Boreal Grazer. <laughs> I think I would play this in, like, pretty much every elf commander deck, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I, in- I think in that context, it's probably pretty good. Yeah? Standard mm-hmm. is tough. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is good, right? Maybe? I, I, I don't think it is, personally. I think it's just, like, okay. But who knows? Maybe this is, like, the most broken thing ever. <laughs> if- just because when I think, when, when we think about other things and in that, cur- like, in that, like, mana cost slot, that exists right now in standard. I just don't think it does enough. I think it asks an interesting question, though. Like, if you could take any two magic cards and mutate them together, where you get both abilities but also both mana costs added together, what would be what would be the best option? Ancestral Recall Black Lotus. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe we need some bannings in this game <laughs> because uh, lies yeah, diamond. Uh... <laughs> Uh, all right. Next up, we have Gadrock, the Crown Scourge, two to red, legendary creature, dragon at rare, five four, flying. Gadrick can't attack unless you control four more artifacts. At the beginning of your end step, create a creature or uh, create a treasure token for each non-token creature that died this turn. I I like this. I I don't know how easy. It is to like get the four artifacts in standard, but I am thinking along the lines of something like in historic, uh, where you can play like the tempered steel decks, and instead of going blue white, you go white red. Are, are you gonna like Gadwick or Gadrak, and then just like Ornithopter, 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 <laughs> yeah. attack for five? <laughs> uh, like gingerbread cookie, Ornithopter, Ornithopter, <laughs> like <laughs> gargoyle thing. I don't know. <laughs> I I do like though that this is a pretty good blocker. Like even if it takes yeah. you a while to turn it on, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like Rotting Regisaur, how you can bring it in from the sideboard maybe to have like this big body, and then if you're playing some sort of like Rakdos or Mardu style mid range deck, maybe you can just get there by killing stuff. Like just killing your opponent's creatures, eventually you get four treasures and can go from defense to offense and start like beating down. Like if you can turn it on, a 5 4 fire for three is pretty above the curve, even by 2020 standards. And, yeah. and you know what? If it gets cl- like if they cast claim the firstborn on it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you're safe unless they have well four artifacts but they probably like, have four four witches ovens <laughs> yeah if they perfectly have four witches ovens well, well then you you low rolled you know what i mean like that sucks <laughs> i mean that's the other thing though is food tokens can turn this on that's the other right yeah i was wondering like could this be playing like Jun Sacrifice, where you have food tokens to turn it on, and it makes treasure tokens when you're sacrificing your cats, and then those treasure tokens can be sacrificed to trigger your Mayhem Devils and to ramp into like your top end stuff if you want to, like Corvald and whatnot. Could it be yeah. like a synergy piece uh, in in a deck like that? Maybe that that's where I see it if it were to get played. Yeah, I think it's because you you go like oven. Uh, every, every cat you sacrifice is, uh, now a creature, uh, a treasure token with Gadrick. You have Gilded Goose. You have Corvold. And then, like you said, the treasure token sacrifice and ping with Mayhem Devil. So I think this is actually pretty good. It's like a big beater. Uh, and then also it's a combo piece. So I actually think it's really good in the Jun Sacrifice deck, depending on if there's stuff you can cut out of that deck to fit it. But I, I feel it's more of that than like four Ornithopters because. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I then you'd know. be playing four ornithopters. <laughs> Temp- Tempered steel is the I, I think. So you could play. Fun, there are so artifact decks in standard, right? You could play like an all is glitters deck, right? With gingerbread, are- headstone, coil serpent. Uh, we're gonna talk about spark hunter, Masticor, but there are enough artifacts that you can actually just play a pretty legit artifact aggro deck, and you know, stone coil serpent is like MVP of standard, right? <laughs> like <laughs> oh, immune yeah. to everything, right? So. We, we could do that and then just kill like one or two creatures to get the rest of your treasures and then go to town. So I could yeah. see it in that kind of aggro deck as well. So mono green Tron. Nissa Tron is back also, <laughs> by the way. You, you could do that if you want. Green red. So then you can play this. Cause we got a lot of new, some new artifacts and colorless cards. So All yeah, right, like- let's, let's talk about Spark Hunter Master Core. Three mana artifact creature Mastercore. It's a rare. It's a three four as an additional cost to cast the spell. Discard a card. Protection from Planeswalker. One generic. Spark Hunter deals one damage to target Planeswalker. Three generic gains indestructible until end of turn. I can finally talk about this card after now it's been revealed, and I will say that oh my gosh. No, sweet Teferi, you cannot touch this card. The protection from Planeswalker is pretty interesting, and the fact that that, that it pays one to deal more damage to Planeswalkers. <laughs> like, this card is definitely living up to its name in hunting down sparks, uh, but like, holy cow, and it has indestructible? Like I, I like. Let's be honest here. That that additional cost is not is not a thing to me. I, I don't I don't even acknowledge that as an additional cost. Um, but like I do think this card is really really good, and it's a three four, so it doesn't just get like Oath of Kaiad. Yeah, I mean it's got good stats, and it is good at taking down Planeswalkers, especially like you mentioned to Fairy. But the other War the Spark Planeswalkers it lines up pretty well against, or really any Planeswalker that down ticks, uh, you can probably snipe it pretty efficiently. So. I don't know. As a 3-4, maybe it's efficient enough that you can just main deck this, but yeah. I mean, worst case, it feels like a good answer to Planeswalker heavy decks. Like, this is a card to fight against all those War of the Spark decks that are still in the format for another three months. Yeah. And, and like, once again, like, you, if they untap with this, then it really gets you in this awkward spot where it's like, it feels bad, right? If I have to play... I, I can't even play, like, let's just say in this case, Teferi Hero of Dominaria or the new Teferi Master of Time and, like, phase it out, right? Because it has protection from it. So, like, if they untap with it, then any Planeswalker you play will just be a, whatever, <laughs> five mana, draw one card. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, or it's going to feel pretty bad. Yeah, I, I think this is meta warping. Maybe not warping, but it will change the meta. You can no longer just play, like, dirtily control decks and rely on Planeswalkers for value because this thing will murder you. Like, you can't even remove it and then play your Planeswalker because you can give it indestructible. It needs to be a very specific, uh, like, exile or bounce or something. But even a bounce doesn't help if you're trying to play a Planeswalker. So I think this this is, like like the ultimate planeswalker sniper and there are so many planeswalkers in standard right now it's also a three four so it uh attacks through or blocks uh nissa land tokens yes. so <laughs> i actually think this is pretty like if you 
if you're playing a lot of planeswalkers and you see this like, on the, it's like a carnage tyrant, right? You're like, oh my god, right? Yeah, <laughs> like this, yeah. Uh, this is big troubles, right? You're gonna have to have sideboard slots dedicated to dealing with this thing if you're playing uh, a planeswalker heavy deck, which a lot of decks in standard in recent history have played. So I think this is actually a really good card. And then in the fair matchup, it's like, eh, right? It's like, so it's kind of balanced, right? If you run up against a questing beast, you're like, I'm a little sad. (laughs) Well, you still get to block it and then give it like indestructible potentially, right? Uh, I mean, you had to two for one yourself to cast this thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And three I mean, mana is actually a lot for indestructible. Like that's that's kind of the other thing. Like I don't know if you can just leave up three mana every turn to to do that. I mean, I guess we get nothing else going on, but it is an I mean, expensive. What, what if ability. you play this and then you put an all's glitters on it? Yeah, but it's like yeah. make your own bogle, right? Sure. But you probably <laughs> had to discard your all the glitters to cast this. So <laughs> no, no, you, you discarded some bad artifact to get back with Emily. the ornithopter. Like, but then your <laughs> yeah, then your Gadrak is never going to attack because you discarded the ornithopter. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I think this card is yeah like definitely amazing um uh and and, and like it like it, it gets around a lot of stuff and Elspeth Conquers Death just got a lot better <laughs> better than being the best card in standard somehow it's yeah a, it's up to eleven <laughs> it w- it went from tier one to tier zero <laughs> all right next up we have chromatic orrery. Seven mana, legendary artifact, mythic rare. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color. Tap to add five colorless. Five and tap. Draw a card for each colored uh, among permanents you control. I swear that they're, every time Wizards makes a set, that they have a slot that's seven mana mythic that is just designed to, like, break commander, essentially. Like, the commander staple slot. We had Nyx Bloom Ancient. We have Chromatic Ori. We had Zendikar Resurgent not that long ago. This is just like a busted commander card, right? Don't you just... Yeah. Obviously, if you're one color or two colors, it's bad. Obviously, if you can, like, reanimate it with, uh, I don't know, some artifact reanimation uh, type thing, it's really good. But I feel like if you're three to five colors, this is just absurd. It's absolutely just, like, bonkers and insane. I'm confused. As a fair card or as a combo piece? Just a... I mean, it taps to add five mana. It fixes your mana five, as good as five it could colorless, be fixed. Well, which is it's not five, as good considering you're trying to play a but five your mana color goes deck. As any, but you spend your <laughs> yeah. mana as though it's mana of any color. So it's actually oh, five mana of any yeah. combination of colors. Oh, I'm it's an idiot. It's pretty disgusting. And why, it doesn't even enter tapped. Do <laughs> it doesn't enter tapped, which I thought it would. So and it's like, I, but I realized Gilded yeah. Lotus in the sense that if you get it to seven mana, Lotus. it kind of only costs two mana because you immediately get back five mana. So you get that same rate kind of. And then yeah. you twiddle it. <laughs> you could potentially draw immediately, right? If yeah. if you like if you have enough mana, like obviously, but like like this I think this is pretty sweet. Like it can't you can't draw off itself, but the thing here is like, yeah. What about standard though? Like I expect this to see a lot of play in like five color commander decks and even four and three color decks. Can this do anything in standard, or is it just like too expensive. Gilded Lotus didn't really see play when it was in standard. Neek's Plume Ancient hasn't really done anything competitive in standard. Obviously, it makes a lot of mana. Is that enough for it to show up in any standard deck? Mana for your cards, Seth, in 2020. Yeah. What are you doing? (laughs) In this year? We don't pay for our spells. This is unplayable. (laughs) No, I I, I do I like I do not think this will see play in standard. No. Will people play it? Yes. Um, for fun yeah or maybe yeah. like niv decks i think that's the one deck i could see if you're playing niv like tapping this to draw five not that niv needs to draw more cards but that that does sound pretty fun <laughs> on top like yeah that's the dream right like pay five draw five but but like outside of like that situation you know what, what am i gonna draw off that anyways more chromatic ories uh, like <laughs> um no the fact that it is <laughs> it'll be a card in the set that's like a two mana two two when it attacks you can drop any artifact in your hand <laughs> into play <laughs> i mean you could put it into play with perforos i guess right or no no it's artifact creature right <laughs> oh man uh, yeah but it's too I slow think, I, I don't think this gets played in standard however in commander i could see me playing this even just in a two color deck legitimately yeah that i it's mean just, yeah it's good enough right like the just like the first part spending mana is at, like you know any color getting five mana but on top of that paying five mana to draw two and not sack it is pretty good oh yeah i mean and if you're paying five mana to draw five and you can do that every turn in like some five color commander deck that's in that's an insane yeah. rate like that is super super powerful 
Uh, yeah. It, it's, it it's goes from good. okay to just insane. So, like, yeah, I, I think this just definitely makes it into Commander. All right. Next up, we have Pack Leader, one in a white, rare creature <laughs> dog, 2-2. Two, two. Other dogs you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever Pack Leader attacks, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt uh, this turn to dogs you control. This, it finally happened, by the way, just for everybody listening, that uh, hounds are now have been errata to dogs. So, so all hounds in the history Tenaros of magic are is dogs. a dog. And I mean, I, like this, the whole dog change is something that I've been waiting for because I've always been wondering, why do we have hounds and not dogs? This makes me sad. Uh, but like pack leader specifically, I mean, let's be honest here. I Are there good hounds? <laughs> mm, I think that is my concern. I think for me, dogs remind me a lot of cats where wizards just made dogs now. And there are a few hounds in Magic's history that'll get their rata. But if you look at when cats really started to get support around like Amonkhet, it took like two or three years of support for them to really get to a point where you can kind of build a like a pioneer modern cat deck that isn't, you know, it's not a joke. It's not tier one by any stretch, but you can build like a pretty reasonable deck. I think that pack leader is a powerful lord, but it doesn't really have the the tribe to back it up yet. I think it's one of those cards that you're going to have to wait for like two or three years worth of dog sets until eventually there's enough dogs to actually make it good. So so look at the uh, I, art. I, look at the magnificent dog there. Does that dog not look like it could lead wolves? Mm. Why why are wolves not dogs? <laughs> uh, I, I don't I don't know if it can lead wolves. Although I notice all the dogs in the background. That's pretty cute. Wolves like, and dogs together would be would be interesting. And I feel <laughs> so only hounds became dogs. Wolves are still their own thing. But right. like that, that, that is what would complete your dog tribe for free, I guess, right? Like you would have enough wolves and dogs to like make a canine tribal deck. Uh, but as of now, there aren't that many dogs. Uh, the dogs we have are kind of dodgy. I guess in standard, we have the Orzov one. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Kuneros. 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 Yeah. The, the graveyard one. Uh, but this thing is like, unbeatable and comp like you just attack and like none of your dogs take damage right so it's pretty obnoxious to play against if you are a creature deck uh i i guess like what is your counterplay you block and then attack back and try to kill them because you can't kill any of the dogs in combat uh so weird this is not legendary so they stack they stack with each other uh so you can have four pack leaders on the battlefield uh so interesting <laughs> interesting i think lots of people will force a dog deck I think oh, we'll yeah. try to. Oh yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they will alter their dog cards to be of their dog. So I think <laughs> this this makes like for a very fun card in Magic. So I I like where it's going. And the change is really good. Like the change is overdue. If anything, people love cats. Like I'm always surprised at just looking at like uh, cat commander decks. Cats are like literally one of the most popular tribes to build in Commander, and they're not even like that good or any you don't build cats in commander because you're trying to like cdh your way to like some wins you're doing it because you really <laughs> love cats so i feel like uh having dogs be a supportive tribe is like a huge huge positive because as much as people love cats there's the other group that really loves their dogs so i think giving that group like something to build uh is actually like just a huge huge upside for magic in general I can't believe it just took this long. <laughs> I still can't believe we don't have wolves. We don't have a dog. Like, for some reason, Le- Leonin are cats, right? They're like humanoid. But, like, we can't get wolves and dogs into the same grouping. Like, come on. Like, we, we-, we need a canine super type or something. Or a, a dog planeswalker. That's what we need. A dog <laughs> a Johnny, planeswalker. A Johnny can almost be confused for a dog planeswalker. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we have Mangara the Diplomat. Three white, two four, mythic, legendary creature, human cleric, lifelink. Whenever an opponent attacks with creatures, if you, if two or more of those creatures are attacking you and or planeswalkers you control, draw a card. Whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, draw a card. I, I think like from a design point, I think this card is great. It's, it's perfect, right? Like, White now has, they found a way to get white to get card draw. I think that's pretty cool. I also like that it's a 2-4, so it's not easily, like, killable. Uh, like, just by a shock or a bolt or something like that. 
has lifelink. I mean, that's great. And it's not like, and the cost on it is like three and a white as opposed to like two and double white or even better, like triple white and like one. So I think the card is all around pretty cool. I don't know if it gets played in standard, but I think this is really good in commander. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think when I first saw it, I was like, oh, maybe in standard it could be like a sideboard card against mono red. But then they revealed Baneslayer, and I was like, eh, if I'm a white deck that wants <laughs> yeah. a sideboard card against mono red, it's probably going to be Baneslayer instead of Mangara. But in commander, I think this is kind of just a staple. Like when you have four opponents that, and no one's going to be like, oh, I'm only going to cast one spell this turn because you're going to get to draw a card. No one's going to not cast the stuff they want to cast to keep you from drawing a card. You're going to draw hopefully multiple cards each turn cycle. And white is so hard up for card draw. It's just like so bad at drawing cards. I feel like this is just almost an auto include in any mono white deck. So the, I think the exciting deck that plays white, right? We just want this. I mean, if you're blue white, you probably can draw cards more. Fa- I don't know. I think multicolor decks, I wonder, like, is this good enough card draw that I would play it over, like, blue card draw? Mm, it's sure. also a, a crawl space or whatever, right? Like, people will be less uh, likely to attack you with multiple creatures because you draw a card. That's so it true. has that taxing effect. But yeah. this, they said that anything that white has that says, like, you can't do X is now fair game for them to say, when you do X, uh, draw a card. Uh, so basically, like, the opposite of a tax effect. So instead of the tax effect, if they do it, you draw a card, which opens white up for lots and lots and lots of card draws. Like, Ristic Study or something could have been white. Uh, so that that tells me, like, Commander Legends, like, all the other sets coming down the line, we're going to have a lot of white card draw based on these kind of like taxing conditional effects. I think that's a really good way to handle white card draw too. Like it, yeah. this card feels white to me. I know white, some people like, eh, white's not supposed to be able to draw cards, whatever. Like it's 2020, white can draw cards if it wants to. We need it for commander. <laughs> but uh, I feel like that's a very white way to handle it. It feels very on flavor with ghostly prisons and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like if you're going to give white card draw, this is this is probably the way to go. Yeah. I can also see, I can definitely see something like this down the line too. It's like if an opponent activates a planeswalker, you draw a card. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I I don't like this because it's gonna be so OP. Because there'll be people like Seth that like never pay the tax. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna so, say like, these things just go out of control. They're like, <laughs> oh man, yeah. yeah I whatever, was gonna right? say that because like Seth's like nobody, nobody's gonna just play one spell. Like it's like, well, you are speaking from the per- point of view where you literally never pay the one. You never pay for any. Like you never pay for your treasure tokens. Yeah, add it to the list of taxes that I will never play in Commander. <laughs> <laughs> they have a Mangara, whatever. Here we go. I'm going to storm up. <laughs> yes. Atta- attack you with two creatures. <laughs> yes. Attack you with two and then cast second spell. <laughs> All right. Real quick. Uh, we have a list of reprints that are coming to core set 2021. Uh, we have Grim Tutor. We have yes. Containment Priest. Nice. First time in standard. Uh, Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Because yes. Krim asked for more ramp payoffs in his Yeah, love standard. it. Can't wait for that Nissa into that Ugin. Baneslayer Angel. Uh, <laughs> rewind, Solemn Simulacrum, and Azusa, Lost But Seeking. Oh boy, there we go. <laughs> That's the one. That's so where I heard you sadness. want ramp. I, I, we could just ramp like forever, like Azusa into Solemn, into Ugin, <laughs> Uro in there, put some Nissas, like why not? Before the Zendikar set, by the way. Uh, so... <laughs> Let's, I think of all of those, right? Like, yes, some of those reprints are pretty insane. Like, obviously, Baneslayer. I don't know if Baneslayer is what it once was, especially when cards like Fryer in the format. Because, <laughs> like, if we're boarding it in against Red Deck to take out Red Decks, they'll just go, okay, Fry. And then, like, you paid five mana and they traded it for two, right? Like, so, uh, but on top of that, like, I think the biggest reprint for me is going to be Ugin and Azusa. Why? Because they probably are going in the same deck. And, uh, so I am not exactly excited to see Azusa hit the format because ramp has, we were talking about last week, we don't need Uro to like, you know what I mean? Like we, we don't need all this ramp between growth spiral, Uro, oh my gosh, if you untap with Anissa, um, and, and then of course now you've got Azusa and Ugin, like, holy cow, like ramp players that like will now actually have an embarrassment of riches, right? Like, they have so many things that help them ramp. 
I think it's that embarrassment of riches that makes me not very afraid of Azusa at the moment, just because there's so many, like, gross spirals and Uros. I don't even know if you'll play Azusa, honestly. Like, the ramp is already so insane uh, and so good. I kind of wonder if Azusa is just, like, not quite as good as the rest of the ramp that's in the format. I mean, after rotation, maybe things will change. But I think I'm personally way more uh, scared of Ugin. Last time Ugin oh, was yeah. in Standard, it was kind of medium and showed up in fringe decks, but it definitely didn't dominate no, the it format. it was blue-black control. Yeah, so okay, it showed up in some decks, let's say, but it wasn't like the best card in Standard by any stretch. It was more like no. certain decks would play a copy or two, but that was a few years ago, and it was much harder to get to 8 mana a few years ago than it is today when, uh, when <laughs> yeah. decks get to 8 mana really quickly and really consistently, so I I am like legitimately scared of Ugin. On the other hand- Ugin I, is a 5-drop. Basically, yes. A five drop. I'm legitimately excited for Containment Priest. That's a card that I've wanted, especially in Modern, for a long time. Uh, it hates on a lot of things in the format, and it actually hates on a lot of things in Standard, a little less so, maybe with the most recent bannings. Uh, hey, Winota. But there's still Winotas, and there's still uh, some other, like, uh, Cauldron Familiars and so forth that are doing shenanigans, reanimation style effects, uh, and whatnot. So, I feel like uh, Containment Priest is definitely going to be a sweet reprint and then obviously grim tutor was like a 220 dollar card i think it's the most expensive reprint we've ever had in a standard legal set period do you think that grim tutor is good either one of you no <laughs> like like for for standard definitely not um i don't i don't think it gets played in like what like pioneer does it <sighs> Cause I, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of skeptical. Like I was thinking that maybe like certain combo decks, like would ad nauseum and modern want it, or maybe like inverter. And I'm not even sure that those decks want it. And it doesn't currently see much playing commander, although that's maybe partly because it's 200 some dollars and you can buy diabolic yeah. tutor for 50 cents. If it's cheap, maybe it picks up in play, but I expect the price to get way, it's still like $60 for the reprinted version. I oh, expect it's 60 the, now. Yeah. It's still 60 now. I expect it oh, to go it's, way it's not gonna down. Stay that. Yeah. I, I think, I think if this gets played anywhere, it's going to be in commander. Uh, and, and like it, it, it won't be like 60 bucks. I think it's going to, it is mythic. That is the difference, right? Between like, you know, some of the reprints that are like example, like idyllic tutor at a point was like moderately pricey, yeah. but then, you know, now it's like a $5 card, but that's cause it's a rare and whatnot. And I, I think this at mythic, We'll make it sit somewhere between like, I don't know, like 10 to 15 bucks after it's released. That sounds about right to me because the, the current price of the original, it's mostly because it was in starter 99, which is like just a notoriously low supply set. So it, it's more that the supply is tiny than the demand is super high. So I too expect it to drop down under $20 for sure. So if you're wanting Grim Tutor for Commander or something, uh, I would, I would keep waiting and not snap it off during pre-sales. Wait a little bit because the price should drop a lot from where it is now yeah however playability wise I, I just i don't know like is there anything that really wants this in standard no uh i don't think it really gets played to be honest with you unless a combo deck develops. i mean people play the the two mana one for the fey of wishes this is one mana less well that goes from your but, sideboard though yeah it was the same, effectively the same well, thing, but, though, but, right? You have, like, a toolbox somewhere where you want to tutor up your silver bullet. But then, you, but like, that's way different when you're using your sideboard. And on top of that, because it's also mm. a 1-4 body for 2 mana, you could also deploy it as an early threat against aggro, right? Yeah. Like, this is just... This one, you get to pay 3 life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Woo! <laughs> Aggro's like, yeah, let's go for that again. <laughs> like, uh, I have a question for you guys. Yes. Uh, Containment priest, if you phase in, do you still phase in? It's you don't enter the battlefield, right? Yeah, so you're safe phasing in with you containment should be priest, safe. right? Yeah, it, it technically doesn't enter the battlefield, so yeah. All right, all right, all right. So it's a fairy containment priest, is not a combo. no, no, it is not. But but uh, like yeah, like be, before we leave, there's one card which we forgot, which I think is pretty important, which is eliminate. One in a black, uncommon, instant. Destroy target creature or planeswalker with converted mana cost three or less. So this is like their answer. Plunge, right? I think is the name of the card or whatever to answer War of the Spark. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this is pretty sweet, but uh, I don't I don't know. Like not killing something higher than CMC three is kind of an an interesting spot, right? I mean, there there's no even now when you have Heartless Act, I. 
I think I still might want to play Heartless Axe. I don't know. I like Plunge. I do, because it hits Planeswalkers. But do I like the fact that it doesn't kill, like, a Questing Beast? Uh, a Shifting Ceratops? Soon to be, you know, other problematic creatures? I don't know. Like, like th there's there's so many things at 4CMC and greater that I am concerned about. Like, Cavaliers and whatnot. I think it's still going to be good. I, I think it is true that it doesn't have anything or everything, but I think it does hit enough. And I like that it is at least somewhat relevant against control, like against mono red or other aggro decks. You should always have a good target. And then it's also unlike heartless summoning or whatever, or heartless act rather. It's a, uh, it's also something it can snipe to fairy or like Narset or something against control. So I'm hoping yeah. that the flexibility is enough to make it good, but I do think you are right. It doesn't kill anything, uh, everything. And I think you are going to need other removal spells in support of it. I don't know if I would be comfortable with this being my like primary removal spell in most decks, but I I think there's definitely uh, a home for it in standard and potentially in like pioneer slash modern too. In modern, I could see a little of this being a lot better. Um, like I'm like strictly speaking, standard. I think this is a card where I like I don't even play a full four heartless hacks, right? Because that's still conditional. So like I, I'd play maybe two of these, and I guess you could do a two two split or something like that. But yeah, not a four of. This isn't a four of for me. Uh, it kills titans. It does kill titans, but, you know, like... You know what dodges it? Whatever that bad mythic green you talked <laughs> oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I already forgot that card got, re like, announced because it already was written I, off immediately. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it is a thing, right? Like, in modern, the, the secret CMC is four. Like, when you play a five CMC creature, it's, like, indestructible. Like, no one can deal with it, right? Because it dodges fatal push. Uh, so if people start playing this, uh, but I don't... I don't know that people will play this though because I feel Teferi is going to get a down tick. It's like I, you really want this to kill three fairy and even then it's like not that good at killing three fairy because they probably played three fairy. They bounced yeah. up and drew a card and then you came along and did this. You're like, well, it's better than nothing. It's better than letting Teferi live. But with uh, Spark Hunter Masticore and other things like that, like I feel three fairy will be in check. So this card will not be as good. But it does snipe like uh love struck beasts titans things like that so it's it still has a lot of valid targets so i think i agree with you guys there will be a split between this and heartless act uh you're not gonna go all in on this uh but i do think it'll see play kills liana the veil oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oko, which is another huge Ren one in six. older formats like legacy Ren Ren and six. Six. and as yeah. you get to older formats a much higher percentage of creatures are converted mana cost three or less uh, compared to standard where you have more oh, four and five drops. Tarmogoyf. Tarmogoyf. Richard, <laughs> you have even less of a reason to play your This Tarmogoyf. literally kills everything in Judd now, right? You're like, no. no. Hey, but now I get to suffer with you, right? Because now you kill my three fairies. <laughs> no. I'm still playing them, but, but you know, Tarmogoyf. It's like eliminate brackets Judd from modern. <laughs> No, nah, Jad was bad already. We didn't need to eliminate. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're running long, so I think that's all of the previews we want to talk about. Any last thoughts uh, you guys want to add about Core Set 2021 so far? This set seems amazing. Uh, like, holy cow. I think it's, yeah. Outside of that green card, <laughs> this seems amazing. I think it's going to go down as uh, maybe the best Core Set of the, the modern era, at least. Like, the it, they seem like they pulled out all the stops with reprints, high-value stuff. The new cards seem real powerful, so... Yeah, I, I am super excited. I'm more excited now than I was uh, a week ago before we knew what was in this set. It seems like they're really nailing it with Core Set 2021. It feels a bit like a master set, and like, but like without the master's pricing. So I think everyone is on board with that. All of the new cards are high power level. They're not like, oh, these are for beginners. They're like, how about phasing <laughs> beginners, right? So uh, it's just like a normal set with like a lot of high value reprints. So I actually think it is a home run. And... Uh, we need this after the double masters and I predict commander legends coming up will maybe not be so popular given their design decisions with double masters. So this feels like a commander master set kind of with all the cards you're throwing in here. So I think it's pretty good. Are we, are we going to fish mail today or are we going to hold that for next week since we're running a bit long? Uh, I'll sneak in one fish mail. All right. Uh, if you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. I are baboon. You get the one fish mail we're talking about this week. With mill as a new keyword, do you think wizards should add loot, rummage, and others as a keyword? What keywords could be useful here? Um, 
Looting, looting is pretty cool, right? Because then it means that you don't have to like type that out every time. Uh, but like, or type out like the whole draw a card, discard a card. But I mean, you still have to actually put the reminder text. Actually, so never mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it just gets yeah, longer. Yeah, then it's all you've done is just make it longer. <laughs> I, yeah, I think the question is like, what percentage of players are familiar with the term? I think mill is one that is a very high percentage. Looting is probably pretty high. Rummage that is probably like a lot lower so i think for it to be keyworded uh for these like evergreen type mechanics i think it's got to be something that like basically the entire community always uh uses so i'm sure there's some other cases i could maybe be convinced on on loot possibly but i think it's something you got to use a light touch on or it actually makes cards more confusing and more wordy if you have to keep doing the reminder text over and over and over again because people don't understand what it means yeah, I, mean, I feel like these things should be keyword. I think the hesitation with mill is there is no lore based reasoning for mill. You're like, what is that? Like, what does that even mean? Stuff. Right? It's like, oh, because yeah, but that's not like from the world. Like, it's not a verb from the world of magic, right? Same with like looting. Like that's merfolk looter, but like loot means like stealing. Like, what? How does it mean like draw and discard? Right? So I think that's the hesitation wizards uses. Uh, but like things like scry, right? Scry was keyworded recently. Before then, we had to say, look at the top card of your library, blah, 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 blah. And it was like very complicated. So looting, I think, should be a keyword. But maybe like whether they use the actual word loot or not uh, is, is up for debate. But given that a lot of Magic players know the word loot, I think just use it like mill. But I think it's the lore aspect of it that is causing problems rather than the you know, the effects, because every set we have like a looting effect, every set we have a rummage effect. Uh, and then the exile you may cast until end of turn that doesn't have a word. Like we have that all the time. So it would be just cleaner if we had a single word to describe that. Actually, that's a great thing right there, Richard, that you pointed out. I think that should have a, a word for it at like the whole like exile and cast from like, you know what I mean? Cat, you have until next turn to cast it. That whole thing. I'm surprised magic players haven't come up with the word for it. Like, what, what is the closest? What is the first card that ever had that? Or like, it's like Chandra generic ability. Like, what do you, what do you even call it? I don't know if thing? I've yeah. ever heard anyone call it anything interesting. Yeah. Like they, you know what? That, that is something that should get a name though. That would be, I would, yeah. I would like a name for that a mechanic. Yeah. But the problem is there's some that is like until end of turn, until end of like until your next turn, sure. until like there's all these variables on it. So we'll, we'll have to come up with like loot and rummage, the, the two partner <laughs> keywords. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's all the time we have for questions this week. A little short on the fish mail since we had a lot of spoilers. So we'll be back with fish mail next week. Be sure to send them in to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 280 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk more M21 spoilers and about whatever else goes down in the world of magic. So, until then, have a wonderful week and this is a crew signing out. Thank you.